Recently, NASA released an amazing photograph from the, the Hubble telescope of two galaxies colliding. This pair of galaxies, collectively called NGC 6052, <laughs> is 230 million light years away. It's located in the, in the constellation of Hercules. These merging galaxies were discovered in the 1780s and, and once thought to be a, a single, irregularly shaped galaxy. Long ago, gravity brought these two galaxies together into a chaotically shaped blob, a gorgeous blob, but a blob nonetheless. One scientist uh, characterized it as faint, pretty large, irregularly round. I resemble this remark more than I once did, I'm afraid. <laughs> but anyway, as these galaxies come together, the stars are now following new trajectories because of new gravitational forces. You might think that the stars would collide as the galaxies collided, but the stars aren't actually crashing into each other, not very often at least, because the stars are actually quite small in comparison to the vast distance between them. In point of fact, galaxies are mostly empty space. In time, new patterns and new relations will be set, and the two galaxies will become one galaxy. When I stumbled upon the picture of NGC 6052 this week, I found it gorgeous, and I found it haunting haunting, because out there there is this cosmic event affecting millions, billions of stars and worlds. And here we are, tucked away at the edge of a completely different galaxy, unable to really fathom what is going on around us. Haunting, because in the face of these colliding galaxies, I feel incredibly small and in some ways completely insignificant and powerless. Haunting. Haunting, not just because we are in this vast universe, but also because as a species we seem hell-bent on killing and hating each other. In the face of the hate of this world, it, it feels pretty easy to fall into feelings of powerlessness. My heart, these last few days, has been with the victims of the horrific white supremacist attack on the two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. This attack, which claimed the lives of 50 Muslims, is, is part of a pattern of mass shootings at places of worship by white supremacists in the last few years. It's a long list. Tree of Life Synagogue, Mother Emanuel AME Church, the Oak Creek Sikh Temple, the Overland Park Jewish Center, the Islamic Center of Quebec City. They were all attacked by white supremacists. But it's not just the shootings. Despite what some may think, white supremacy is actually an all-pervading reality. It's not just the views and actions of a small group of people. White supremacy is a cancer, 
that infects our world and every aspect of our lives. It manifests itself as racism, as Islamophobia, and anti-Semitism in ways that are overt, but also in ways that are under the surface and are hidden. Though we have made strides, we did not somehow fix white supremacy with the civil rights movement or by electing a black president. No, white supremacy is, is woven into the very fabric of our society. It's in our discourse, it's in our economics, it's in our criminal justice system, it's in our educational system. And because white supremacy holds that a particular group of people is superior to another group or other groups, it is an affront to human dignity because it does not respect the dignity of each person. And as an affront to human dignity, it is sin, pure and simple. But it is sin that pervades our lives and seems almost impossible to fully confront. It is not as simple as changing our conscious views. It impacts us all. It affects us all. In my darker moments, I despair of our ability to truly confront this reality. I, I feel insignificant, and I feel powerless. I feel hopeless. In those dark moments, I feel like we are just a momentary and unimportant blip on a small planet in a vast universe with colliding galaxies. The temptation is to despair. Today, Abraham gives us an alternative to despair. Abraham gives us lament. Lament that leads to hope. Abraham offers up his protest to God, and in protesting, Abraham's faith is renewed. For you see, God had called Abraham, or Abram as he is still called here, to leave his home and his people with the promise, with the promise that, that Abraham would become a great nation and that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. But Abraham and his wife Sarah have been wandering for a really, really long time. They have roamed all over and they have become quite wealthy, but they still do not have a child. And without a child, there was no way for Abraham to become a great nation through whom all the families of the earth would be blessed. Without a child, God's promise would not be fulfilled. I wonder how many nights as Abraham stared up at the stars in hopelessness, pondering his insignificance. I wonder how many nights Abraham looked at those stars and felt like just a blip. I think the text hints that it's actually quite a few. Because when God comes to Abraham to tell him that he is favored and that he will receive a great reward, Abraham pushes back. Abraham does not say, oh, yippee, wonderful news, God. Abraham says, oh, Lord God, what will you give me 
for I continue childless. Abraham laments. Abraham offers up his grief and his confusion. Abraham complains and questions. Abraham questions God's faithfulness. Abraham questions God's purpose. In response, God does not grow angry or aloof. God does not withdraw. Instead, God brings Abraham Abraham outside and bids him to look up at the stars. Look at the stars, God says to Abraham, and do not despair but hope. For so shall your children be. And Abraham, Abraham believed. Abraham believed God, trusted in God, and God reckoned it to Abraham as righteousness, we are told. Abraham looked to the stars and trusted. Abraham looked up to the stars and found purpose and meaning. And indeed, God was faithful. God was true to God's word. We are among Abraham's descendants by faith. We worship Abraham's God along with Jews and Muslims, whatever our disagreements may be. The best of each of our three faith traditions tell us that we all must live in the hope that God calls us to be bearers of peace and a blessing to the world. Each tradition believes God calls on us to shine with the light of God's love. In the face of the hatred of this world, the temptation is to despair. But instead of losing heart, like Abraham, we are to lament and give voice to our protest so that we might move forward into faith and into hope. But hope by itself is not enough. For having been moved into hope, then we are called to act. We must act. Act like many young people did across the globe on Friday when over a million young people, children, went on strike around the world to protest our inaction over climate change. In relation to that, I saw a quote that challenged me to my core. It was from a 16-year-old climate activist named Greta Thunberg. She said, I don't want your hope. I don't want your hope. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I do every day. And I want you to act. I want you to behave like our house is on fire because it is. Hope that does not manifest itself as action is just a way of appeasing our conscience. Hope without action only numbs and anesthetizes us. We must act both internally, in our hearts, and externally to confront the powers of hatred at work in our lives. 
We must act both internally and externally to change the world, to make it a better place for those who come after us. When we act in love, then God works in us and through us. When we act in love, then we are participating in God's transformation of the world. I was devastated when I learned that one of the first people to be killed in the shootings in Christ Church greeted the gunman as he approached by saying, Hello, brother. In the face of violence and hatred, this man offered a word of peace and greeting. In the face of brutality, this Muslim man offered a small act of faith and hope and love. Hello, brother. I pray those words are words that never leave me, for they are profound witness to the power of love in the face of hatred. In the face of violence and hatred, we are not powerless. We can love. In the face of our smallness and insignificance in a, in a universe of colliding galaxies, we can act in love. We can love greatly in small ways and large. Like Abraham, we are to trust in God by trusting in the power of love and peace to heal the world and to bless the world. Like Abraham, we are called to be a blessing to others, a blessing to our neighbors and our enemies, a blessing to our environment and to our planet, a blessing. Like Abraham, we are called to lament, we are called to hope, and then we are called to action. Abraham bids us to look to the stars and to look into the face of our fellow human beings and to find in those places hope. Hope. But with this hope, we then must act. We must act in love. Amen.